Illinois, a state that has touted progress in its approach to cannabis, has seemingly left families grappling with a bewildering reality. Today, we aim to unpack the intricate layers of this perplexing situation by revealing the discrepancies that arise when supposedly progressive legislation fails to address the core issues at hand. Longtime listeners, longtime listeners of our show know that we are constantly questioning whether true legalization has been achieved. It's time to shine a light on the absurdity of this system that on one hand legalizes cannabis, while on the other hand continues to punish those involved in its cultivation, possession, or distribution. Today, I'm joined by special guest Tina Reichert. Did I say your name right? Tina Reichert. Mm-hmm. Hey, nice. Tina has a per- <laughs> thank you. Tina has a personal story that sheds light on the absurdity of drug policy in the state of Illinois. Despite residing in a state that proudly boasts cannabis legalization, Tina's son, Christian, finds himself behind bars for a cannabis-related offense. Tina, thank you for joining me today. Uh, tell me about Christian's case. I just learned about it recently, and um, I'd just love to learn more. Okay. Well, I'll try to make this as short and sweet as possible. Um my son was 24 and living in Placerville, California, working for a national tree company. And he came home to Illinois to help me move my mother into a nursing home. And I have a grandson that has had multiple brain surgeries. And at that time, he was on his sixth or seventh at St. Louis Children's Hospital. My son drove in 30 hours straight through to surprise us. His sister and I at and his nephew at the hospital in St. Louis. And we cried. We we didn't know he was coming. And we were so happy. And um we were just elated to have him there. And we knew he was going to be around for a while because his job was getting ready to transfer him back to Montana. That's where he had originally started with the company. And he was excited about that. And I raised him as a single mother and sometimes I feel some guilt because had he not come to home to help me, I know it was a decision that he made, but at the end of the day, I feel like if he had not come home to help us, this situation might not have happened because he had no priors. He had never been in trouble other than traffic, but he, he ran into an old childhood friend that asked him, to ride with him out of state to pick up his marijuana and meet these people because he he wanted my son to help him out and pick up once a month out of state. Since my son had an out-of-state driver's license and traveled with his job, he wasn't as suspicious and half the states he would drive through would be legal. And this friend offered, I'll give you 10,000 a month to go one time, you know, to pick this up once a month and it's just marijuana and I'm very liberal uh, you know on the stance on marijuana I've worked in home health care and I see the benefits of the of cannabis I've my MS patients have used it patients with rheumatoid arthritis anxiety you know it's just an amazing plant in my opinion and I had a father 
that felt the same. So marijuana was not really a taboo thing in our household. And me as a single mom, I much rather my son partake of cannabis than alcohol, to be honest, when he was a teenager, you know, I saw a lot of, well, a few of his friends were killed in drunk driving accidents, things like that. And, um, that's where it all began. He, he made the trip with his friend. They made it back safely and he let the friend store it in the garage that we had a lake house rented while he was home and where he could have some fun while he was home and off work and helping us, you know, helping move my mom and stuff. So his friend got ripped off by some guys that actually did work for him in another county. And he called some, some guys that he knew from his past to try to recover this $50,000 that was stolen from him. My son was not charged with any violent charges, but he was caught up in a conspiracy charge, even though no one else in the conspiracy knew him. Not one of the state's witnesses could say one bad thing about him. They didn't know him at all. So they couldn't say what, what his, what his position was in this conspiracy at all. They, they, they didn't know him. So my son was the only one severed from the case and he did go to trial because when they brought the marijuana into the state of Illinois, they brought it into the County I lived in. And ultimately his friend got ripped off in the neighboring County in Jackson County. <clears throat> and that's where my son ended up convicted, even though everything that he did was in Williamson County you know how conspiracy laws are. They're, they're unbeatable. You know, you doesn't matter when you enter exit, if you know everyone or not, you could have your life together for three, four years and they could come get you later, you know, even after you've exited and stopped, you know, any involvement in, in any kind of conspiracy. So those laws definitely need revised you know we we need judicial reform in a bad way our criminal justice system is in my opinion it's draconian you know especially where marijuana laws are concerned you know now with so many legal states and so many people still sitting in prison for decades not not just seven years like my son which is a long time his prime years are gone, you know, he's still got a lot of life to live if we can get him out, but he's missed his entire twenties, you know, and now he's 31 and he's the model inmate. And, um, it, it, it was just so unexpected. It was a poor decision he made, but it wasn't even something he got a chance to decide that he wanted to be involved in he never made any money. This was just a trial run. Like go meet my friends where you would pick the marijuana up for me and bring it back to Illinois. When you see your family once a month, whatever, you know, think about how much you could help your mother and your grandmother with that extra money. And so like many young, naive 24 year olds would, 
the money was tempting and he did everything he could to try to help me and his grandmother and sister and nephews. You know, he's, he's a great person. It's, it's sad to see so many people that are good people that are languishing in cages over a plant that I can go purchase right after I visit my son at prison. You know, it just makes no sense to me. It's, I was really hoping that Governor Pritzker would do more, you know, because he was on board with legal, the legalization. And, you know, by now I, I really had expected him to release a lot more cannabis prisoners, but that hasn't been the case. So now we're just stuck in limbo. We appealed his conviction. He received a total of 38 years, 23 for trafficking and 15 the max on a conspiracy so luckily it was concurrent and so we go off the 23 years as long as he doesn't screw up and um he's in east st louis now he's worked his way down to on his own merit through programs and behavior he's now in a minimum risk facility that's designed for re-entry but it doesn't quite work that way there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in our prison system that people are unaware of like i was you know so this has been an eye opener for myself and my son we're trying not to look at it as a uh, a, a horrible as, as horrible as it is and as heartbreaking as it is and it has about destroyed me and i can definitely see a difference in him because when you are with hardcore criminals, murderers, pedophiles, rapists, and they are astonished at the time you got because you got more time than they got for killing a spouse or a girlfriend. I mean, you're, you're in prison with some people. You can't show emotion. You have to, they play by a different set of rules in there, you know, the inmates and the staff, you know, so it's been an adjustment for someone that had never spent 24 hours in jail or had any priors and to receive such a, an excessive sentence from a very controversial state's attorney, Mike Carr, who is no longer the state's attorney. We worked hard and campaigned and we were successful in getting him booted out of office and someone else elected. And, um, we're hoping he's going to work with us as well, you know, as far as possibly resentencing, because as of January 1st, 2022, House Bill 2129 was signed, you know, into effect by Governor Pritzker, which allows the state's attorney to resentence anyone they feel was ex excessively sentenced or it no longer serves justice. And I feel after seven years, that's where we're at. We're not doing any good at this point. We're probably doing more harm to my son at this point than good, you know? Yeah. Or that's how I feel about it. I agree. I agree with you. It's been a nightmare. It, it's, um, it's changed the course of our lives, you know, completely. And what will he do when he comes out? Now he's a convicted felon. You know, he grew up 
you know, where he could hunt and fish and things like that. Now he won't even be allowed to own a gun when he was a legal gun owner, you know, and, and hunted and things like that. So he's going to be giving up a lot of, of things in his life that over one, one mistake he made, you know, and it's, I do case comparisons and especially in our area and I see what people are getting for second degree, degree murder and, and pedophiles and, you know, they're getting probation and two years and three years and 12 years on second degree murder. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with the system? You know, what, what is going on with our system where, where a child's life isn't as important, you know, as this plant, I feel like a, a lot of it is, you know, we're still fighting this war on drugs that we've obviously lost, you know, and we're spending, we've spent trillions of dollars, you know, on a war on drugs that, and as every, everyone sees, I mean, it, it's a complete failure, you know, obviously. And one other quick thing I'll add is I advise parents because I didn't, talk about the law enough with my kids because I had never been in trouble other than a traffic ticket myself. So, you know, you don't realize how important mandatory minimums are. You know, you have no idea when you're young and you make a mistake, what you could be facing, you know, that the former state's attorney, Mike Carr asked the judge for 40 years on the trafficking charge, one trip, one ride that he didn't earn a dime from that. No one said a negative thing about him at trial. Everyone, you know, got on the stand and told what their role in the conspiracy was, who they acted with, who they reported to. And, and all had, had said they didn't know my son. They didn't know Christian record. They didn't know anything about him. And so, it was just wrong place, wrong time, bad decision, young and naive and uneducated about our laws and, you know, thinking because it's legal in so many states, you're going to get a slap on the wrist if you get caught. And that's not the case. I mean, look at, there's so many people I could, Parker Coleman, Kevin Allen. I mean, there's just, the list goes on. There's so many people doing these outrageous sentences or life without parole you know it's i i feel like they are um double dipping the government is double double dipping in my opinion because prison is a very profitable business it's traded on the stock market companies like the vanguard group are one of the biggest shareholders in prison stock cca geo I mean, these companies wouldn't have an interest in prison stock if it wasn't profitable, you know? Right. So I think a lot of it is about money and greed, you know, as we can see with what's going on, even in the legalization in the different states and how things taxes and, you know, it's not going as we had hoped, you know, or people had hoped a lot of the big corporations again are stomping on us like we have been by big pharma for decades you know so i don't know what the answers are but 
I mean, something has to be done. We're losing our youth. We're losing fathers and mothers to a beneficial plant. And, you know, it's okay if the government wants to do it and they're profiting from the sale of cannabis, but God forbid anybody else, you know, ever attempted to, you know, so it's, it's unfair. It's unjust. And, you know, there's no equal justice in, in this at all. And, you know, people of color have, have paid and talked about it for years. And I think now so many people we've opened, our eyes have been opened and we, we actually see now people are speaking out about it and people are listening and they're seeing what's happening and we can kind of understand, you know, the heartache that they've been through the, the torture, you know, because the statistics don't lie, you know, as far as, the number of people in prison and people of color and poor are the ones that seem to be targeted more so than the wealthy, in my opinion. Yeah. And to your point, you brought up just a brilliant, brilliant point that I want to dwell on for a moment. That's, that's super, super important. You said that, you know, any parents listening or just anybody listening in general need to know their rights and, you know, the consequences that could come uh, by not, you know, falling within those. So just, I always like to show this uh, for our listeners. I'm displaying the laws and penalties for Illinois cannabis. Now you can see the the possession penalties, the trafficking penalties, and the cultivation penalties, as well as hash and concentrate penalties, paraphernalia penalties, and more. Here's what's important to understand folks. So this is what the Illinois, this is what happened in 2020. Uh, the Illinois Cannabis Regulation and Taxation Act made it so that 30 grams or less of cannabis carried at no penalty. Um, that's that's all it did. It did make it so that medical cannabis patients can cultivate at home. And it is important for people to understand that just because this says if you don't have a card that you can cultivate for a violation of $200, that's not true. That's not entirely true because – if you can cultivate two plants, let's just say, your possession limit still comes into play. So you're looking at possibly over 100 grams of cannabis, which could land you between one and three years in prison, up to $25,000 in fines. Put it To put it a little bit shorter, we've had several attorneys on the show. One, though, that I'm speaking uh, – that I'm thinking of specifically, Evan Bruno. He works as a cannabis defense attorney. In the year 2023, there's a reason, and it's because most of the laws that were originally established in 1978 via the Illinois Cannabis Control Act are still alive and well today. The Cannabis Regulation Tax Act basically did nothing, in my opinion. Uh, It it legalized the possession of small amounts of cannabis. It allows you to purchase cannabis from state-ordained operators, but as you pointed out, that's not good enough. That's not no. good enough. And I have to show this post you made uh, briefly that I really feel illustrates how ridiculous this is. For folks that are listening, it's a picture slash video of you standing outside of the prison your son is in. And you say, this is where I travel to see my son for seven years. Then I can drive down the road and buy cannabis. Makes yeah. sense? I thought that was 
a brilliant uh, way to highlight the absurdity uh, of where we stand today. I know. And I, I passed multiple dispensaries on my way home, you know, and he's in East St. Louis. So he's right next to St. Louis where, you know, Missouri just went recreationally legal this year. So I, either side of the state, I, you know, I'm, I'm within 10 minutes, either direction of getting cannabis. You know, I talked to little old ladies and men that are eating edibles for arthritis and stuff. And even they are appalled and, and think, why are these people still in prison? You know, and at one time they might not have felt that way, but you know, the more we openly discuss it and, and talk about it responsibly and normalize it, you know, people aren't stupid. They'll, they, they eventually will comprehend, you know, we've been brainwashed and it has been beat into our heads since started with maybe even before Nixon, but as far back as I can remember Nixon and then the Reagan administration and the fair program. And, you know, all I heard growing up was it was the gateway drug, the gateway drug. That is such a misconception. You know, that was just what they tagged it as, you know, right. Trauma is a gateway drug, you know? Yeah. There's, you know, so many things that could cause people to use something harmful. And there are so many more things that are harmful. And I know from experience, you know, I've, I've worked in the service industry. I've bartended, you know, I've, I've, my father was a chronic alcoholic, passed away at 41 years old due to his alcoholism. And so, you know, if he would have stuck with cannabis alone, we would probably still have him today, but he had been in a horrific car accident at four at five years old and watched his grandmother and aunt die. And he suffered, he nearly died. So he was in a lot of pain as he was older. So he used alcohol to, you know, mask that pain. And at that time, you know, this is 1990, you know, cannabis was taboo, but he used it privately and, but it wasn't somewhere he could go get it legally, you know, but he could go to his local bar and get drunk to numb the pain, you know, right? Uh, physical and emotional. And it's, it's, um, I want people to be aware of how beneficial this plant is. And there's still so much for us to learn about it. And I have seen personally the benefits of it and um, with patients that can't take opioids, you know, and prefer cannabis, you know, especially a patient I recently had with MS. And so, you know, I'm still waiting on the decriminalization and, you know, the things that we've been promised by our leaders. And they all talk a big talk before elections. And then after they're elected, that's pushed to the back burner. You know, it's like they just keep buying time and telling us what we want to hear, get reelected. I am over politicians. I, I guess you could say I'm bitter on that subject, but I feel like we've been all, we've all been duped to a certain extent, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you just brought up the decriminalization again, because again, I don't think that the Cannabis Regulation and Taxation Act, which is what legalized cannabis, I'm saying that in air quotes, people, uh, because if if Christian is still in jail and, and other people I, I see, I read about him every day, more people going to jail. Um, yeah, I, I question whether or not it's legal. I don't believe cannabis is legal until you can possess, purchase, use, cultivate as much as you want, need, or please. And that last well, one, those the first and last one is really important. You want, if just if you want to, if you need to, like you said with the medical, the case of medical cannabis patients, or if you just please to, like if you're just like, I want to get high tonight, you should be able to. Right. And I use it for anxiety myself. So, you know, along with my doctors, at, at my doctor's recommendation, actually, you know, so... It helps, and the side effects aren't near as serious as the medications that, you know, I'm on that the doctors prescribe. You know, if you read the side effects of the bottles of medication that they have me on, they're by far more dangerous than any side effect I've read on cannabis. I mean, you and I both know how many overdoses can you find because of cannabis or or any other tragic incidences very very few you know if if there if there is an actual overdose for marijuana anywhere you know it wasn't laced you know was it you know there had to be something improper about it like i feel like they cannot have it both ways the government can't have it both ways you can't you know earn money off these inmates after you've had them for years and then earn money off of cannabis at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're keeping these families divided. And um, if they think that my son's 20s spent in prison for the last seven years has helped his mental health, they couldn't be more wrong. They might have taught him a lesson. You don't do this or this is where you end up. I think he knows that after seven years, you know, like I think he gets the point. You know, I think it was excessive and, and I see people with even more time, you know, and it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me. It's heartbreaking to me. My, my heart bleeds for the families because I feel paralyzed right now. I am missing my only son who's missing his life. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I hope he gets out and can get back to as normal as he can be and possibly find a career and, start a family and you know put this behind him eventually but you know we've been waiting on this appeal for nine months it took four years to get it and we've waited nine months for an answer and it's just a lot of agonizing waiting and time and you feel like you're doing time with them because you're just stuck in this space that you have no control over and it's i don't think people realize that 
it affects the loved ones as much, maybe not as much, but it affects the loved ones severely, you know, that are out here on the outside. If my son asked me what I had for dinner and it was something good, I don't even want to tell him, you know, because I feel guilty for eating something better than what he's, you know, allowed to have. And the cost of these companies that operate within make it so unaffordable. They know the inmates aren't paying for it. They know the families are. And they make it impossible. I was reading you had to buy some fucking tablet and it's not even working and you can't no. tell me about that. I Yeah, I purchased. They had started Connect Network had started a program in the prisons where you could purchase a tablet for 200 because they only have a few phones and that causes a lot of fights, especially okay. this time of year with no AC. I mean, he's been, you know, and I'm not going to complain about that because there's families all over the United States, all over the world that are without things that we take for granted, like sure. air conditioning. So my son's been without air for seven years, along with, you know, many, many others. And, but it, but it's, the guys are, it builds a lot of tension, you know, sure. causes, they're hot, they're aggravated, yeah. their cases are dragging. So you got a lot of mood swings going on and then you got two or three phones and they got to fight to talk to their families and they're only allowed to certain times of the day. So they started this tablet program. You pay for to to email. I paid 200 for the tablet. They're not working. They're not receiving the emails. Recently, they had even been holding, holding mail. You know, he's only allowed, they go by a phone list. So he's allowed to make one or sometimes two 20 minute calls a day, you know, you can't take a lot care of a lot, you know, in such a short time period when you have your grandmother to check on in a nursing home and your, your sick nephew and, you know, you're trying to find out, have you talked to this lawyer or have you heard anything about the appeal or, cause they're just sitting in the dark in a cage or a pod and they're relying on us to, you know, get them a lot of this information. So I, I feel like a secretary or a paralegal at this point, you know, after seven years of dealing with the state and lawyers and courts and Springfield and, you know, it's, it, and most of the people you encounter that work in these positions are not the most helpful. I'm going to be honest. I've ran across a few that when they are kind, I, thank them immensely because it's a rarity you know yeah. a lot of them act like they don't even want to be bothered by you you know when you're calling to try to get information and um everything's dragging now due to covid still mm -hmm. you know so that's put them behind on even updating their the good time they've earned you know so they're still showing their original outdate because things haven't been updated you know, for any programs they've done and any good time they've earned, it hasn't been, it's not showing up yet, you know, so then they get frustrated about that. So there's a lot of 
And then they're angry too, those that are in there for cannabis, because then they see what's going on out here and these people making millions and people blowing smoke everywhere in concerts and all over Instagram and, you know, everybody's living it up and they're sitting in jail in prison over it, you know, and, and for many, many, many years, you know, and some I was going to ask you what, I was going to ask you what your son has said to you, or if you've heard him say what others have said, like what they think about what's going on today, like to see this going on. They're, they're angry. They're, they're bitter. They, they don't, you know, they're, they accept responsibility for what they did because they did break the law, but now it's legal and these draconian laws need revised and, you know, they're wanting to see things change quicker also, you know, because it, as you see through this entire administration currently, you know, not much has been done at all, you know, yeah, not the way we were led to believe in the beginning when the elections were going on and things Biden spoke of, we all got very hopeful that he would do the right thing and release nonviolent cannabis defenders and especially in legal states and stuff. Now, you know, it's like, it's hypocritical in my opinion. It's so hypocritical, you know, it makes the government look like we can do it, but you can't and you're going to abide by our rules or we will throw you in a cage and give you life without parole. Like, like they have multiple guys, you know, I mean, we have 70 and 80 year olds still locked up in Missouri, Illinois, in the South, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, some of the worst prisons in our country, you know, Angola, places like that. I know they've got them out West too. You know, it's, it's a brutal, brutal place. And, we're throwing nonviolent people in there over a plant in with real criminals. And then I don't know how you expect these young people to come out after years of living with real hardened criminals, murderers, child killers, and expect them to function normal, you know, or normally in this world after years of having to live that way like an animal you know to to fight for showers to you know to keep yourself from getting hurt to uh, every day I worry about my son's safety because there's always someone in there that doesn't care that they're in there that knows they've got a lot of time a lot more time to serve or may not be getting out and so your life is meaningless to them, you know, you really, I, I mean, I don't understand why they would put nonviolent people, you know, or even white collar crimes for that matter with violent, violent offenders, you right. know, I, the punishment does not equate. Them. Yeah, it doesn't. It just, the system is not working. And I think recidivism has shown that. And I think recidivism is so high because 
they set them up for failure, in my opinion. Right. You know, they're not the rehabilitating them. Yeah, it's not. That is such a joke. I mean, I could sit here and bash IDOC and tell some true stories of what taxpayers are paying for, but then I could possibly hurt my son by doing so. And then they would retaliate. We had an issue at, at the last prison he was at. A guy comes to work there that my son went to school with. They played Little League together. He didn't like my son from from Little League days. So he instantly let my son know, I'm going to make your life a living hell. And every chance I get. And he did at the last prison. And we finally, and my son had never filed in seven years a grievance against a correctional officer. He respects them. He knows better. He knows you don't win not respecting them. You get along with them much better when you respect them. And my son has learned that. And, you know, so he doesn't have a problem with correctional officers. He does what he's told because he knows that's a losing battle right there. They can make your life miserable if they want to. And um, that's what this correctional officer was doing at the other prison. And thank God the warden and everyone stepped in and they saw what was going on. And this officer had not reported that he knew my son. And that that's a legality. They have to report how they know that person. The minute they lay eyes on someone that comes into that prison that they know, or they start working there and they see someone they know, they have to put it in paper and explain yeah. how they know. He had failed to do that. So thankfully they got my son out of there quickly, yeah. you know, but you know, a lot of times when you have to file a grievance against a correctional officer, you pay for it. You know, sure. if you do too much complaining, you're thrown in seg, you know, where you can't do any complaining, you you're know, thrown you can't, in what? In seg, segregation, oh. solitary confinement. Oh. And, you know, that keeps you from, you know, being allowed to let anyone know your family because you're cut off all communication. And, you know, we weren't allowed to see him for a year and a half due to COVID mm -hmm. restrictions. We weren't allowed in the prison. So no visitors were allowed at all. And then... I had I debated because of health issues I was having. If I wanted to see my son, I had to take the COVID vaccine or I was not allowed in the prison. Mm. So I waited a year at my doctor's advice. And um, even my son was like, with the health issues I was having, he was like, I, I don't want you to take this right now. You know, he was like, and I had had COVID twice already. And mm -hmm. he was like, so I waited two and a half years I went without a visit, you know, and seeing my son wow. over COVID. And um, they just now where he's at just last month have stopped. They took the plexiglass off the deck, off the tables in the visiting room. We don't have to wear a mask anymore because it was really hard. Sure. you know, to sit with a mask on behind plexiglass 
and look at each other and speak to each other with masks on and understand what, because it's loud in there and people yeah. are visiting. So you couldn't hear one another. And, um, but, you know, in my opinion, that was another thing that was just like kind of milk to the end. You know, and I have to be careful what I say because I'm depending on, you know, this appeal and, you know, if possible, if, if necessary clemency and, you know, but there was a reason COVID tests were still being driven to the U of I lab. If you do a little research, you, you'll learn it on your own, but a certain person owned the lab at U of I where all the tests, the COVID tests were taken from the prisons daily mm. because so the owner of the benefit from that. And I'm I'm sure if uh, you did the math or or you thought hard enough, you you would know who owns that lab of U of I or is one of the owners of the lab at U of I. But um, that's a politician, if that helps yeah. any. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, we also now we have to schedule our visits seven to ten days in advance. You know, online. Not everybody has a computer or a smartphone, you know, to do that. It's it's actually complicated. You know, I've had Christians friends who are tech savvy call me and say, oh, my God, what am I doing wrong? How do I get I'm hitting a wall every time I try to set up this visit, you know, and, you know, they it's just they make it very complicated. And before COVID you had your visiting days, visiting hours, and you would drive up. You didn't need to schedule an appointment seven to 10 days in advance. We asked them in East St. Louis, if it would return to that now that they've ended all the COVID restrictions. And they said, no, that that this will probably remain, you know? So and I don't understand that either. Cause it just makes it harder for, families right. that are older and not tech savvy and and don't have access to this stuff you know yeah it's a That's complicated insane. it's a complicated system well here's here's the thing that i wanted to bring up with you today that that i'm glad it seems like you're already aware of uh but for folks listening it, this is just in, just so important to keep in mind Enforcement and punishments like the ones we're seeing issued for Christian are a feature, not a flaw of our law. Right. Right. Again, I, I just I just showed the law laws and penalties uh, from Il- Illinois Normals website. I'll just shortly display them again. Um, okay. The, the thing that sticks out to me is is possession limits, and then what Christian dealt with, which is the idea of they decided to say that he was trafficking or that he was involved in some sort of conspiracy. We don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of what they're uh, alleging. But my point is, right. is the issue is that it's up to discretion. So they can say that they could have pulled me over this weekend. I was coming home with more than the amount of cannabis that I came that I should have had. And they could have said, Cole, you're trafficking. And so uh, you're looking at a felony and three to seven years in prison and a hundred thousand dollars in fines because we think you're trafficking. And it's like, well, what if I just need that much cannabis? And that is the case, by the way, Tina. Right. That's not like all of that cannabis, even though you might look at it and be like, wow, Cole, that's kind of excessive. 
that's mine. That's as much as I wanted to purchase. Sometimes right. when my parents go to a, a football game, they buy a couple 24 packs. Are they going to drink right. that all to themselves? No, it's to no. share or to have for a longer period of time. It doesn't mean you're going to consume it all in one sitting. Exactly. And so these, it's so crazy because I can't think of an analog, like in any other uh, facet of our life where something is legal but you can't yeah. have too much of it or you can't drive with too much of it or right. like, can you think of but anything I could else? Carry, I could carry five unopened kegs Correct. in my car. You know, I can transport them. I could take five unopened kegs across the state line to my buddy's wedding and I'm not in any type of trouble at all. You know, as long as I'm not drinking and it's not open yeah. container you know and you brought up but, you brought up the lethality of these substances and how there's been no lethal overdoses of cannabis i think that's another brilliant point to to dwell on because when you talk about the punishment doesn't equate to the crime it's like what what damage are you actually doing if you're trafficking cannabis because most of the people that purchase the cannabis are consenting adults anyways right it's not like right. you're forcing cannabis on them or forcing it down a child's throat like everybody that engages in this are consenting and choosing to. And then if you want to talk about damage to society, alcohol is an easy example to use on the damage it causes to society. But I always like to use the example of bleach. Bleach is readily available at every grocery store. And guess what? There's no fucking age limit. The containers aren't childproof and you could nope. kill an entire preschool class. If you just poured them all a little glass of bleach. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's insanity and the overkill coal that they showed up at my house and I'm not kidding with a robot, an armored tank in my front yard, seven law enforcement agencies, guns, men surrounding my house with guns pointed at my house on a megaphone in the morning. And I'm hearing, come out, come out, you know, with your hands up. And no one's in my house. My son was already gone and had already been put in an unmarked police car. He he was sleeping on my couch that, that weekend. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they found nothing in my home. They trashed it. One officer pointed a gun at my dog's head when they let the doors open and let my chihuahua and our rescued pit bull that doesn't even bark out. And thank God another officer that was standing beside him that must have been an animal lover said, don't do that. Don't shoot that. That dog's not even barking. And they had one of the unmarked doors on the cop. One of the unmarked cop cars doors was open. And our dog, the one I just had to put down a few weeks ago, Oscar, oh, I, I'm still hurt over it. It was my son's dog that he had rescued years ago. And I we've had him 13 years. And um, my grandsons don't know life without him. But the officer, just for no reason whatsoever, pointed the gun and was going to shoot the dog. The dog wasn't barking. He was running out of the house while they were running in to trash it to go through it. And... They literally zip-tied me in my nightgown, brawless, shoeless. It's August 2nd, so it's hot. I've got a spaghetti strap 
short nightgown on, I get hauled to the police department like that. I'm not even on the warrant. And, you know, I finally asked one of the officers at the building, you know, can I please get a blanket or something, a jacket? I know there's probably hard to find one on, on August 2nd in the building, but I need something to wrap around me. I feel half naked in here, you know. And then when they were finished talking to me two hours later, they told me to take a taxi home, you know. So here I am running around in my nightgown half naked, you know, at a time of day where kids are out playing at the park, riding their bikes, and I'm out running around half-dressed, you know. It was like, it was just, he was charged in two counties at the same time. His bond, the kid had no passport, you know, he had no means to leave the country or hide. They gave him a two and a half million dollar bond, which we tried to get reduced and they reduced it by like maybe half a million. You know, it was like just even judges that I know and people in corrections that I know and law enforcement were like blown away, you know, at, how no one has seen the armored tank and the robot and all that in Williamson County, you know, for, for anybody, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was just really bizarre from the beginning. It was overkill. Definitely. Yeah. That's insane. And our family was just, our family was slandered. I mean, I, I have articles of, some of the local rag mags that called my son the bearded wonder and beard boy and we'll keep you posted when little Chris goes to court and, you know, they brought me up and, you know, said things derogatory about myself. I mean, it was like the media definitely worked with the state's attorney in Jackson County and reported, you know, his narrative only. And that's what you get is right their narrative you know they're not gonna let you you know tell your side of the story you know not not in the media you're he was found guilty before he ever even made it to court you know in in the media's eyes which can have a a big effect on the public well, that's, you know? that's what they do i mean they they post like i i told you i read about this stuff every day they will post about this before a person's even brought to court you know whatever happened to innocent proven until proven guilty yeah and let's be clear that's still the case but when people publish it the day it happens and put it in print have pictures of you calling you beard boy like this is that's insane i had not heard about this yeah um, but and to your I, point, yeah, it I mean, can, I have can, a lot of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but to your point, oh, like no, it, it can I, really I affect the public's perception, you know? Yes, it has. I'm, I had, to, I moved out of that county because of it, you know, because I, I was being harassed. Not to mention one of the, one of the papers posted a picture of my house, you know, the street, the house address. Wow. You know, so I had all kinds of people driving by my house taking pictures and I'm a woman alone, you know. I'm a single mother, I live alone. It was scary, you know. So sure. I sure. moved in with a friend for a while and then I, I finally left that county and moved out to the country, you know, just 
to get away from it all, you know, and it's, it's just been, you know, a nightmare. It really has. It's been a nightmare. And to think that Mike Carr, the former state's attorney that prosecuted my son, who's very controversial, Soledad O'Brien did a two hour special on him about another case in Jackson County. There's multiple cases over there that are uh, that were questionable under his reign that literally made the ID channel. So he oh, wow. um, he's a controversial. He was a controversial state's attorney anyway, and ask him for 40 years for trafficking for the first time, you know, and there was no money found. There was, you know, nothing that proved that they always trump up, add these trumped up charges to make, they're going to make sure something sticks. Right. So they, they always have to throw in the, when it's over a certain amount, over 5,000 grams, automatically you're going to get intent to distribute. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to throw that in there, whether you distributed anything or not. But the crazy thing about it, the county that it was stored in, that he actually brought it into, that I lived in, that he had rented the lake house to stay in while he was here when he wasn't at my house. I mean, it, um, there was never any money earned. He never, he never got that, that chance to even decide, you know, if he was going to do this for this guy in the future or not, you know, and that guy got less time than my son did. So, but they wow. all took plea deals. Oh, they took plea deals. Um, yeah. Got it. That's... And my son wasn't going to plead guilty in a county that he did nothing in. He did nothing in Jackson. He would have pled guilty to what he did in Williamson. Williamson actually dropped the charges. The county we that I lived in where all of this originally yeah. took place. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Jackson County picked it up. And so Williamson County dropped it and, but yeah, there for several months, he was charged in both counties for basically the same thing. So that, that was bizarre too. So, yeah. Are you familiar with the, um, the licensed cannabis transportation lawsuit, uh, that's happening in Illinois right now where they're saying, uh, over, 12 more than a dozen licensed cannabis transporters are saying that illegal deliveries are happening in Illinois without consequence. Have you heard about this? I've I've just recently heard just a slight bit about that. I was going to read up on that. We more. can uh, for folks that want to read up on it more. We've actually interviewed some people from the lawsuit, but we'll put a uh link to this story in the podcast description if folks want to read up or even watch the video about it. I was going to ask you, you know, I've asked these, uh, the people that are in the lawsuit, what do they want? Well, they want the rules to be enforced. And by that, they mean these people uh, that were apparently transporting licenses or transporting cannabis um, were doing it without their license. Like they had a provisional license, but they maybe didn't have their official license yet. And so I right. said, what are, you, what are you asking for? And they're asking for the fines to be issued as the law, you know, a, a fine to be issued. And I right. asked, 
I asked this question and I wanted to know what you think about this. Like, don't it's it's interesting to me that licensed operators only get a fine versus a person like myself or your son get criminal penalties for enforcement. Right. What do you think about what do you think about that idea? And then I've got a follow up question for you. Okay. Again, I think it's hypocritical again. Right. Yeah. Um, my opinion is though, this is a natural God given plant in my opinion, you know, the same as aloe or other beneficial plants that we use and extracts that we use that a lot of people take in daily supplements. If we were allowed to, to grow that plant and this will make a lot of people in the industry mad, but let's just say the plant was not illegal. And I don't think it was illegal until 1918 possibly, but um, imagine no one would have any reason to go steal it. If, if you could grow marijuana in your backyard, like you can tomatoes and cucumbers and everybody could there, there would be no issues, you know, because anyone would have access to it. My neighbors bring over from their garden every summer to me, fresh tomatoes, cucumbers, whatever, lay them on my back deck if I'm not home. So, you know, imagine a world where you are allowed to grow that plant, like as many rose bushes as you want to put in your backyard. Then there's nothing to fight over because there's, there's plenty, you mm -hmm. know, and it kind of knocks cartels and people like that, you know, what, how can they profit? They can't, you know, That's because the problem, yep. but it can grow. But of course, you know, now people in the, in the legal industry probably wouldn't like me saying that. And I'm all for them and I'm thankful it's being legalized in States and but I think what you're saying you know, is, and this this was going to be my follow up. Do you do you agree that those companies should be like at the forefront, uh, pushing for decriminalization, uh, absolutely, so that we all play think, by the same rules? I do. I think anybody in the business should be at the forefront because, I mean, look what happened to Luke Scarmazzo in California, you know, who was recently released you know, after spending, oh, in the double digits, you know, years away from his daughter, maybe what, 15, 15 plus years or something like that. He spent away and he was actually working a legal, you know, operation in California, but the feds, the feds came and raided it, you know, which they can do at any time, anywhere now you know, just like the safe banking act and all of that stuff. It's like, you know, they're dragging their feet on all of this and they're acting like more research needs to be done. You can't convince me they have not been researching cannabis for the last 50 years. You can't, yeah. you cannot convince me they haven't. Don't act like it's something new all of a sudden that we don't have scientists in labs somewhere working on this and no i i think we should all be on the equal playing level you know you shouldn't be penalized any more than that person licensed 
but that did it without the proper thing that he needed, the next thing he needed or whatever, you know, it's just the same liquor license, you know, they get, they get fined for certain things, you know, and after so much of it, you know, they can get their license taken away from them. But I I don't think you should be treated any differently than they are. And yeah. my, that's my opinion, you know. And what, like, what do you think about the fact that, so I agree with you. I want to say that I agree with you. It's what this show is all about, you know, and, and cases like Christians are what this show is all about preventing or trying to, to correct um, if I could yes. say that, if I could say myself, so that that would be the ultimate goal that you get to give your son a, a warm hug in your own home in the very near future. Um, but what do you think about the fact that so we agree that these cannabis companies should be at the forefront of legalization and, and removing criminal penalties. We've reported on this show that they are actually not at the forefront. And in fact, will uh, They've lobbied in Illinois against people's right to home grow, which it sounds like you know about. You mentioned it. Um, they've done it in other states, though, too. They've even launched this campaign called the Buy Legal Campaign, and it includes uh, – I'm just going to name off the companies really quick. Anacostia Organics, American Trade Association of Cannabis and Hemp, Canopy Growth, Columbia Care, Cresco Labs, Kronos Group, Cureleaf, DC Cannabis Trade Association – Holistic Industries, Jushi, Native Roots, Pax, which J.B. Pritzker's brother, Joby Pritzker, is an investor in, True Green, yeah. Viola, and Wana Brands. It's um, – look, I, I understand the justification they use behind this buy legal campaign. It's this idea that if you buy legal that you – um, you're getting tested cannabis. You're getting cannabis that you know you've got a label you can look at and stuff. But inherently, the underhanded message I hear from buy legal is that we must continue punishing people that are doing it without a license. And I yeah. have an issue with. Again, I want to return to the fact that it seems like this enforcement we're seeing with your son as an example, but others as being examples. This enforcement is not a flaw. It's a feature. It's not like, whoops, we accidentally did that to him. It's like, no, we right. did that to him. And and we're going right. to do that to anybody that fucks with our bottom line. That's yeah. what they think, I think. And so. it's, I feel like there's so much um, greed involved. And that's why these companies, you know, aren't on the forefront fighting. Yeah. Right. You know, and um, honestly... I would be ashamed if I was at the top of, you know, the business and I was not advocating for people in prison over cannabis. You know, yeah. I told my son, even when he's released and if we go our opposite directions, you know, as far as business or whatever, sure. you know, you know, let's say he goes back to his normal job out West, you know, or whatever he decides to do. Um, I will continue to advocate after what I have experienced and the, the hell that my family has been through. I don't want to see anybody go through this. And, you know, I want to stress to people, 
talk to your kids about the laws. That's something we don't learn in school. They don't tell you about mandatory minimums and stuff like that. They don't tell you the consequences of one wrong decision the government doesn't agree with, you know. And to me, it's it's getting nasty with a lot of these big companies that are greedy. You know, and I don't know if you uh, follow Beard Bro Farms, but, you know, there's the big deal between Catalyst and Glasshouse and, you know, all that. I have, I have personally talked to Kyle Kazan, you know, a few years ago when he first gained knowledge of my son's case, he, he reached out to me and, you know, he's the CEO of Glasshouse and, you know, I don't know what they're doing. I'm in the Midwest. They're on the West coast. Sure. You know, I know what Kyle has explained to me about what he saw in law enforcement and how it wasn't fair. And, you know, he retired from law enforcement. I know a lot of people are, you know, bad mouthing him because he's a police officer. Well, I, I'm like hats off to the police officer that, that went the opposite direction. You know, that's my opinion, you know, but you know, he personally was nice to me and has tried to be helpful, you know, in my son's case, as helpful as he can be reaching out to Weldon Angelos. And, you know, I've, I've received messages from Weldon and, you know, but there's so many of them and they get stuck on, you know, the ones that have been in there longer or whatever. So, you know, we got to wait our turn, you know, and, and that's what, and LPP was the first one to reach out to me. Like Andrew D'Angelo was the first person to reach out to me and message me and say, Hey, we want to help Christian from last so, prisoner project. Right. That's what LPP yes. is. Cool. And Stephanie Shepard, who is just an angel with LPP. She has been my rock the last few years because when I've gotten really down, she's almost been a therapist to me at the same time because she did 10 years, you know, in prison over this plant. And so she totally understands and she, she's pushed for Christian and for them to help Christian. And without her, you know, I probably wouldn't even be where I'm at right now. And, you know, we still have a long way to go, but, you know, I, I, I challenge the leaders and the CEOs of these big companies, these large cannabis companies, whether dispensary or grow operations or whatever part they play in it to please push for decriminalization, you know, you know, don't forget the guys that were out there taking the risk to get you this plant when you wanted it, you know, and now they're paying the ultimate price and these other guys are living the dream and making millions, you know, off of this plant and have forgotten all about the little guy in jail or prison, you know, and I don't know. That'd be the first thing I would do is advocate if I was in that position, you know, if I was in, 
Catalyst, Glasshouse, what we were just talking about, these guys that transport in Illinois for these large companies. I mean, we've all got to come together and stand up or it's going to continue. And until it happens to them, it's not important. But let it happen to one of their kids or yeah. someone they love in their family because it's not federally legal. So it could still yeah. happen to them at any time. If 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 someone got gets it in for them, it could happen to them too. They you know, they might not feel that it could, but we don't it's not federally legal. And, you know, I wanna hold the president and our politicians and our governors and stuff, you know, responsible to keep these promises that they've made. And it is common sense. It's, it's not, it's not like we're asking them to release serial killers. You know, we're asking for nonviolent cannabis offenders, you know, and many have already served more time than they should have ever had to, you know, it's, it's sickening, honestly. I'm so glad you just issued that challenge because it's something I've been trying to – it's like an angle I've been trying to approach this from for so long, and I feel like it's so much more effective coming from a mother of a child that is impacted by this. And I I know this is probably going to be frustrating to hear, but I've asked the question you just asked, not to every operator, but just you know the operators that have come on my show. And the first question they always ask me when I bring up more decriminalization, either in the form of home grow or removing possession limits, et cetera, and they always ask me in, in some fashion or another, well, how's that going to affect the market? Frankly, I don't give a fuck how it's going to impact the market. How's this going to impact families? That's what this was all about, was legalizing right. cannabis. We don't throw people in a cage for using possessing or, possessing or growing a plant. Like, it's really simple. Like you said, it's very simple. I agree with you completely, Cole. Humans first. Thank you. Lives before money and plants or anything. You know, that's the problem. The greed. It's all about profits. They're worried about the market. But I guarantee if they were sitting in my shoes with their only son or daughter sitting in prison for seven years now, and you just hope and pray you're alive when they get out or that his grandmother is or, you know, his nephew's health continues on a good path because he has missed so much, sure. you know. And yes, he made the mistake. And yes, he's paid for it. I feel he's paid him full with seven years of his prime years of his life. I think he's know? overpaid. I think he's overpaid. But that's just my opinion. Thank you. I I agree with you on that one, but I do. I think it, I mean, when you start looking at horrific, violent cases that got much lesser time, you wonder what is going on. You know, like, yeah. you can't compare a human life to money. You know, you cannot, we do it every day, unfortunately. And I, I don't know how some people sleep at night. I really don't. And and they'll never understand unless they go through this, you know? Yeah. And that's, 
It's just awful that what you just said is so true. Think about what you just said. They will not understand this until somebody somebody else's life is impacted by this. And it's got to yeah. be a special somebody. It can't just be anybody yeah. like your son because apparently your son's not good enough. It's got to no. be like one of their kids in order for them to be yeah. like, wait a minute, this is crazy. You know, that's so sad. I wanted to dwell and, on that for a moment. And rarely we see you know those the one percenters out there or the extremely wealthy you know we rarely see their kids go to prison like this you know right right because they have the money for the best attorneys and mm -hmm. the right all the right connections you know and that's not just a an expression that that there's truth in that you know yeah a lot of it is who you know and how much money do you have and what can you spend and you know money can get you out of a lot of things and you know first when you ask someone on your show that question and they bring up the market it it just physically makes me ill you know it's like I, I just think I don't it, it it hurts me it hurts me that they're okay with people suffering for no reason you know it's unnecessary at this point you know it's 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 not fair you know it's not fair to me at all I feel like I said my son is paid and, um, you know, if you got in trouble again, that'd be a different story, you know, I guess, but, but it is still, it is still a issue with me that he, what he did in 2016 is still technically, he could get the exact same sentence if he did it today. And that's an issue. Yeah. With me. Um, yeah. I wanted to or higher. or higher. Yeah. Yeah. They might want to make more of an example of them because, mm -hmm. yeah. I wanted to ask you, what can we do to help? Is there any petition or can we just keep, you know, holding our elected officials accountable and calling people saying, hey, Christian and others like him need to be freed? What can we do? I, I want to make sure we are able to help in any way we can. I, I definitely think we have got to put pressure on our – elected officials our politicians anyone considering running for election i want to know their stance on it you know i'm i'm tired of the i'm tired of lies i'm tired of hurry up and wait you know or you know give us more time we need more research you know we're gonna get to that you know we're almost what near the presidential election again what much has changed you know in the last three four years what has really been done you know and you know they haven't the the scheduling is just off the chain like it's scheduled up there with heroin and lsd and you know it's it's insanity, you know, that you can't tell me that these things can't be done. 
You know, it's not federally legal. What's what is new with the Safe Banking Act? You know, I mean, there are so many issues to address, but first and foremost, the laws have got to change and they need to release prisoners, nonviolent cannabis prisoners. And, you know, these draconian laws have got to be addressed, you know. They are so dated for 2023. I feel like we're back in the the 50s, you know, not even just on the case of marijuana, but even women's rights to their bodies. You know, it's like I feel like we're regressing instead of pro progressing, you know, and we've got to stay after them. I have a petition. I had closed it because they had recommended closing it is through change.org. And that said, it seemed to be more effective, like, you know, within 90 days, you know, get your signatures and close it. And it seemed to be more looked at, you know, I don't know more accurately or I'm searching for the right word, but more exposure, maybe you just had more. Exposure. Yeah. I, I think I closed it too soon because I've had a lot of people, ask me, you know, where can I sign a petition? So I'm thinking about opening another, oh, either reopening that because we collected almost 33,000 signatures on that one. And um, I'm thinking about either reopening that one if I can, or just starting a new one, mm -hmm. you know, because if I could get over a hundred thousand, you know, I could possibly get them on Pritzker's desk, you know, yeah, but I I definitely think we need to put pressure on these companies. Also, you know they 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 are nobody without us as consumers. You know, without mm -hmm. us buying their product, they are nobody. So, you know they need they need to remember where they came from as well, and they need to push for decriminalization and for their own benefit as well, because with it not being federally legal, anything could happen at any time. Yes. And especially if they make the wrong person angry, you know, that gets mm -hmm. it in for them, you know, they could, they could easily end up in, in a federal situation, you know, it's state or federal, you know, so until it's legally, federally legal you know and decriminalized and rescheduled i mean i feel like those are the the top and prisoners released i think those are the top few things we should be pushing for first release nonviolent cannabis offenders change these draconian laws reschedule this plant immediately you know, let's get it legally, let's legalize it federal, federally so that there's not all these issues with people all across the country with their jobs at risk. Yeah. You know, because, you know, some state employees, they don't have to be drug tested for marijuana. You know, others do. Federally, federal jobs you still do, you know, yeah. um, but... 
it's like they want their cake and eat it too. You know, that's right. the way it appears to me. Yeah. It's just crazy. I was thinking about what I told you earlier and I, I this thought just came to me. I was worried about my freedom while traveling across the United States of America, the land of the oh, free. Yeah. yeah. I was worried about my freedom in this freedom espousing country because if I would have been pulled over and somebody would have searched my car, the molecules that were in my car uh, they don't agree with, and they would have thrown me in a cage for. Are we? No, are we really? What's that? They would have. They yeah. would have thrown you in a cage. And to me, right now, I feel like freedom is an illusion in America. Yes. You know, I don't. We have a long way to go. I feel like. Uh, like I said, I feel like we've regressed in the last eight years, almost eight years, yeah. even further back than that. You know, now looking back as as an older adult, looking back, you know, I feel like we have been fed a lot of garbage and we didn't know any better. But then to believe it, you know, now we're all more educated about it and we all have more access to information at our fingertips to educate ourselves on a lot of things we've been brainwashed on, you know, yeah. and, and until everybody stands up and works together, you know, and especially our cannabis people, cannabis tribe, you know, we've got to, have each other's backs you know because like i said this could happen to anybody's family this could happen to anyone's son it could happen to you it could happen to me or my friends or or anyone just traveling from one destination to another say you're going on vacation you know you know look how prohibition went with alcohol you know we're we're in a pro we're in prohibition with a war on cannabis right now you know yes and it's the the war on drugs needs to stop period the war on cannabis definitely needs to stop and you know the prohibition needs to end they're they're treating it like it's scheduled and it's it's one of the safer things on the market that you could possibly get, you know, especially if you know where it's coming from and stuff. I mean, I don't advise just, you know, sure. drive down any road and grab some from some stranger, you know, I don't, I don't recommend that at all, but you know, we've got to put pressure on these people call. I feel like these industry leaders, our political leaders, the president, the governors, all of them, because they're not doing enough, in my opinion. You know, we've got thousands incarcerated over a plant that they're profiting from. That's yeah. not right. That is hypocritical to me. Yeah. And folks, if I could try to put it in a bottle, we didn't legalize cannabis. We've created a system to regulate and tax cannabis licensed people people that have been ordained by the state are allowed to engage in behaviors that were once considered to be illegal 
unlicensed entrepreneurs like Christian and um, you know, maybe yourself, if you're listening right now, uh, will be met with the same penalties that existed before legalization. It's not a, it's right. not a flaw. It's a feature. That's how we enforce this system. And my question to you as we close folks is, is that right? Is that just? No, I think we can leave them with that. Tina, do you agree? I agree, and I appreciate you so much, Cole. I, I'm sorry I got a little emotional, but it's been a long, rough seven years, and I'm so appreciative of your time. And and um, I hope we, you know, can make an impact. You know, even if it's on one or two or three people, you know, to help join us in this fight because what is going on right now in this country with cannabis is is wrong you know it's um the bottom dollar in the market shouldn't be our biggest worry at the moment you know freeing prisoners nonviolent cannabis prisoners rescheduling federally legal you know there's a few things that really need to be done. And I just hope we can all pull together. And I, like I said, I challenge anyone in the industry in the cannabis industry to please speak up, write our leaders, you know, our senators, our state representatives, you know, help us get these people free and in this suffering over this plant, you know, they have suffered long enough, you know, and I appreciate you greatly for having me on here. And, and again, I apologize for being emotional. It's, it's no. just been a long journey. No apologies needed, Tina. I'm not going to say that I understand because I'm not a mom and I'm not in your situation, but, but I have empathy for, for what you're going through. And it is my, uh, it is my hope that this makes a difference in some way, that this makes an impression on on our listeners and that, like you say, they can join us uh, not only to help Christian, but to help others and to prevent others from ever having to go through this. I wouldn't wish this on my worst yeah. enemy. Oh, me either. Most definitely. I I want parents to know, please, please talk to your kids. My, I have a 14-year-old grandson and we talk to him about it all the time, you know, about you know make sure before you make any decisions you you're informed you know you're educated on it because kids don't realize and young people don't realize how serious this is and what you know what they can do to you if they want to do it to you they can give you life without parole like they did kevin allen and and others you know or 60 years like parker coleman or they're the list there's so many you know too many to even name but there's plenty of young men and women and elderly men and women that are sitting in there over a plant that many people are profiting from including our government and yeah. it's not fair it's not fair it's not right and i think um History will reflect reflect kindly on our efforts. 
especially if uh if it comes to be so yes i hope to so well folks i'll leave you with that tina thank you um and thank you and uh if 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 you do come up with another petition or something please let me know i will make sure that my audience knows about it so oh thank you so much i appreciate you so much and it's been a pleasure talking to you really yeah absolutely folks we'll see you on the next one take care